All right, well, it is wonderful to be here with all of you today and seeing that we are still in this very strange land of quarantine, at least for a little bit longer, and seeing that today is Pentecost Sunday 2020, the day 50 days after Easter, in which we remember the moment in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon the 120 believers in that upper room in Jerusalem, empowering them to go out and to fulfill the work of the kingdom, which they did. So because of all that, it seems only proper to read a little bit of that powerful encounter and just to consider our own engagement with the Holy Spirit this morning. So the Bible says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven. Now let me pause there for a second. Last week I actually gathered with my sisters and their families and my mom and dad and brother Preston and my family. We all gathered up in Oklahoma. And you know what? Something happens when you cross that Red River. When you go into Oklahoma, I mean, first of all, you just, you just feel like it just, we just dropped off. I mean, I just, just being honest. I mean, from Texas, it just kind of drops off. But, you know, you feel for those people. But something happened. And, uh, oh, oh, sorry, there's one Oklahoman over in the corner. Now, when I was over there, and I, and I just I went to the grocery store, and I noticed that uh, their Walmarts are like our Walmarts in the sense that uh, there's some interesting folk uh, there. But I felt like it was even a little step further. And so when I was reading this passage, I was actually thinking like, if this were done today, not like 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, but like done today, it would have probably sounded like this if it were to happen to Oklahoma. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven and woo-wee, it was like a freight train just came strooming, rolling right through my trailer and I'm just, we got everybody down and we, we hid and then we woke up and the trailer was gone. That's the world I've been living in, in the last week. But having said that, if that, that's what it would have sounded like because that's what every episode of the news sounds like when a tornado comes through Oklahoma or Texas for that matter. But the scripture says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm or freight train. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now I want to emphasize those last eight words for a second. It says, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Can we simply acknowledge this morning that there are still things needing done in our world and in our country and in our city and even in our lives that without the Holy Spirit's enabling help, we have no chance, no chance of accomplishing it on our own. These things run completely contrary to our natural human ways and our human understandings and our tendencies. And yet, the story of Pentecost is a reminder that with God's enabling help, through the Holy Spirit, he gives us the ability to do things that we just cannot do on our own. For instance, learning a new language in an instant, or forgiving someone who has deeply wronged you, or being willing to prefer another person, especially at your own expense, or stamping out racism and demonstrating to our world what love really looks like. These are easy to say, but apparently they're hard to do unless Jesus is at work in our lives and transforming us 
and making us new creations and making us more like him. And unless the Holy Spirit gives us the ability, and in that, that's the situation, then we can absolutely do it. So this morning, I just want to talk about rest. But before we go there, I want to echo the invitation to the prayer service tonight. As you know, we're going to be praying for our country and for each other in response to the racial tensions and injustices that continue to manifest in our world. For sure, this hatred, fear, ungodliness, and confusion is a part of our fallen and broken and messed up human condition. And people have honestly been struggling with it all the way back this side of the Garden of Eden. And yet, each generation, each individual has the opportunity to align themselves with God's heart and subsequently mirror God's ways in our day, in our generation. And again, as the Holy Spirit gives us the ability, I believe that we can do it. So you might look back and say, it's always been like this, but that would be the wrong way of looking at things. You should look back and say, you know what? We're being made new. We have an opportunity in our day and our generation to make it right. And people have risen up before and put a stop to things, and we have an opportunity to do that. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is we meet for prayer tonight. So I want to encourage you guys to come tonight. I think tonight will be beautiful. I really do. And I think it's going to be challenging. And honestly, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to gain some new perspective. And... I'm pretty sure I'm going to get my toes stepped on. I just am. And that's okay. Because when you dance with people you like, you get your toes stepped on. Especially if you have no rhythm like me. I'm also very open to the reality that tonight I might look down and find my big fat toes have been stepping on somebody else this whole time and I didn't even realize it. And it wasn't intentional. But it's happening. And in those situations, we step back and we make things right. Because we have an opportunity to move forward and reflect God's image, God's ways, God's understanding, God's love in this day and generation. And so count me in. It's going to be a fantastic night. So in anticipation of tonight's prayer service, I challenge you this, and I'm probably going to step on your toes now. Before you get there, posture yourself, not on the white side or the black side or pick your color side, but instead I want to align myself with the Lord's side. Because we are all made in his image. And all of this, us and them talk, uh, and ch- is not God's design. The fact is, I remember that scripture in the Old Testament where Joshua is confronted by the, army, uh, the, the angel of God. And he says, are you with us or them? And, he said, and the, guy, the angel says, neither. And he just falls on his face. And he hears what the Lord has to say. It's not an us or them. There is a third option, as Pastor Dan has been talking to me about. There's a third option, and it's the Lord's side. And that's the way I want to posture myself. And that's why I hope we would, all, we would all do. So again, I hope to see you virtually at the prayer service tonight. There's still lots of room for us to grow more and more like God. That is our theme this year. And I think tonight will be a, a big help uh, because we're going to understand better the feelings and the, under, and, the, and the understandings and the realities of some of our brothers and sisters. So 6 p.m., Facebook, YouTube, join us. Let's give the Holy Spirit some room to give us the ability uh, that we need. And I know he's still giving us the ability that we need, just like he did way back there on the day of Pentecost. All right, so 
that aside, this morning, I want to talk about rest. And it looks like some of you guys know rest very well. It looks like there's several of you are already asleep. Apologize for that. We're going to talk about rest, and we're going to specifically look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. But before that, let's pray. So, Lord, we come to your word. It's amazing how when we come to your word and we allow ourselves to be soft and malleable, that you desire to shift and rearrange our thoughts and our conceptions and our preconceived ideas. And so that's what we want to do. We want to offer our mind up to you today, offer our heart up to you. We want to open up and just say, your will be done on earth, in heaven, in this temple. And so, Lord, as we look at your word, may you remind us of stuff that we've known for a long time. May you challenge us of, of some things. May you teach us some things. But whatever it is, Lord, if, would you, we invite your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to uh, illuminate this word. And so, Lord, I pray specifically that you would help me to just get my ideas out in a logical, <laughs> understandable way so that you can be glorified. Bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We've heard that scripture a lot. It's three little verses. I'd like to kind of break it down. Uh, you know, in this season of quarantine, it is natural to appreciate rest and resetting. I've actually heard a lot of people talk about rest and resetting, and that has come up during this time of sheltering in place, and yet everyone has not been on vacation. I know even in my own house, like I'm working from home, and my duties are lessened, but then I'm also homeschooling, and then, but then my wife, on the other hand, she's been working every day pretty much and hasn't missed a beat, and so as I share this t- today, I want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about like assuming that all of you guys have been resting and relaxing and vacationing for two months. That has been the case for some, but I know our first responders don't feel that way. Our essential workers don't feel that way, but I'm not even talking about that kind of rest. So whether you're feeling charged up and napped and rested or not, regardless, Matthew 11 is talking about rest, but not nap vacation rest. It's talking about uh, something that's deeper than skin deep. It's talking about rest for the soul and Jesus is the giver of that type of rest. So let's take a look at that verse again, and let's kind of break it down. So it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So God offers us rest, and it's personal, it's universal. It's targeted, it's free, it's better, it's compassionate, it's penetrating, and it's refreshing. So let's start there, personal. It says, come to me. Guys, first three words, come to me. It's so amazing that the maker of the universe says, come to me. The son of God is opening up and saying, come to me. Y'all, God is approachable. And even before he's cleaned us all up, he's saying, hey, come to me. He wants you. He wants us to come to him. And he wants us to crawl up in his lap. And yes, sometimes people 
focus too much on God as their friend and they've lost track that God is also their judge and he's not just all love, he's also judgment. But hey, every once in a while, as we start to recalibrate and kind of remember that he's a judge, sometimes we just got to sit back and say, but you know what? He's a friend too. The God of the universe doesn't have to, but he says, hey, come to me. You look tired. Come to me. I've got some rest for you. So the first thing I want to just remind you guys today is this. Jesus, in his offering of rest, is a personal offer to you and to me. The second thing, it's universal. Come to me all. All. I love that. I love the fact that God is an all type of God. Jews, yeah, come on. Gentiles, oh, for sure. Come on, Gentiles. You poor, Mm mm-hmm, you're welcome. Rich, you're welcome too. Acceptable, are you one of the acceptable folks in society? You are, oh, fantastic, come to me. Oh, you're one of the unacceptables, the untouchables? Come to me as well. And you can see it all throughout the scriptures as he approaches those with leprosy and, and the, the tax collectors and the, and the rich and the poor and, the, and the, the prostitutes and everybody. He just says, come to me. He's universal. It's all. Come to me who? Come to me all. Adults? Absolutely. Children? Yes. Even the disciples were like, what about the children? Are they in the way? Should we push them to the side? Can we get some daycares kicking? It's on, uh, this has got to be essential. Get them out of the way so we can really talk business. No. Have the children come to me too. Every tri- tribe, every tongue, every nation, even, EJ, are you in here? Oh, EJ's not here, but I know he's listening. Even the Philadelphia Eagle fans, even them and the Giants fans, even them, Jesus would come and say, you know what? Come to me too. I can fix you and make you a Dallas. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Jesus, his offer of rest is personal. It's universal. Come to me all who are weary and burdened. It's also targeted. Jesus knows his audience. He knows his audience really well. In fact, he chose that specific time, that specific place in history to come to this earth. So he knows his audience, and what he knows is they are weary and burdened. Weary from what? From sin. Do you remember how weary you were before the Lord saved you? Can you remember back? I remember probably being saved about five, but I remember getting like re-saved or maybe saved at a, at a, as I grew to about 12. I had a greater understanding of my sin and the burden that I carried, kind of like in Pilgrim's Progress, how Christian carries this burden. I, I felt that. And I remember at an altar at about 12 years old, I remember f- just dropping that load right there at the altar, that rock that I had been carried on my back, and it was gone And I remember the feeling of being burdened with sin. And Jesus knows he's talking to a people. He has come to save a people. And he's talking to people who are absolutely weary from sin. But not just weary from sin. They're also burdened in the fact that they live in a day and a time where the leaders, the religious leaders that are supposed to be leading them closer to God, they kept heaping more and more and more regulations and more rules and more laws. Even so much that they couldn't even follow them, but they kept pushing them onto the people. And so, not all, not, so now like, you're not only just weighed down by the fact that we are sinful creatures in need of a Savior, but also the, the institution has piled on us too. And it really was, these people were just beat down and Jesus had such compassion on them. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. Jesus, his offer of rest is targeted. To who? To the wearied and the burdened. And it would be bad enough if you were just wearied. 
but burdened as well. It just he saw it and he felt sorry for us, for him. You know, when we think about the commandments, we think about these rules and regulations, oftentimes our mind just goes back to the Ten Commandments. And that's, that's a natural uh, it's, a, it's a natural to do that as, as Christians. But the fact is, these people at this time, they weren't even burdened down by the Ten Commandments. They were burdened, burdened down by the 603 additional ones that had been made up. The 613 total commandments that had been made up, and, and all these ten had been dis- dissected and just continued to add it on and add it on and add it on. And, and the leaders would sit around and, and debate which maybe number 47 should be moved down to 52 and 52 should be moved up to 36. And I mean, just, just, all these rules, all these regulations, and that's to the situation where Jesus is speaking into. And he says, hey, you look wore out. Your sin is just beating you down. And not only that, you look burdened by all these other commandments. And then someone comes up to him and says, well, well which one do you think is the most important? Because, I, I mean, I just, I want to please God. I got to please God. I want to. And Jesus says, ah, pfft, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others. All the other commandments, all the other laws can all just be wrapped up in those two. Just focus on those two. That's a new, that's a new thought. That was a totally new way of looking at this. The rabbi down the street would have said, well, let's break out the scroll and look at all 613 of them. And that's not what Jesus was offering. Jesus not only comes and offers an easier way, uh, but then he says, but then he, then, but then he also uh, just pushes away all, the, all the, the weariness, all the burdenness aside so they can just focus on the Lord. I want to read something to you. <clears throat> I pulled it up on my phone earlier. Uh, oh, there's, there's EJ. Let's see what EJ's saying. I heard you, my brother. There you go. And I believe that. The Philadelphia Eagles fans do have, do have hope. All right. Uh, not, <laughs> I heard that, Pastor Dan, too. <laughs> the 39 categories of, I'm going to say, malaka. It's a really cool Jewish word, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I should have asked Marty. Um, talking about this, this burden and this, this worry and this uh, weariness that had been piled up on the people to where Jesus is coming, speaking to these people. This just kind of puts it into perspective for you. I remember reading through this uh, when I was uh, in an ethics class years ago. Um, in addition to the 613 commandments, just pull, this is kind of how this, how this kind of grew, just pulling off the, hey, you should obey the Sabbath commandment. The Jewish leaders had then taken that and subdivided it into 39 subsequent rules. And here's the rules. I just want to read them to you because I want you to kind of feel for a second the burden that these folks were walking with. So the, here's the, the 39 categories. Hey, be careful you follow the Sabbath. You know, make it a day of rest. And here's how you do that. No plowing earth. No sowing. No reaping. No binding of sheaves. No threshing. No winnowing. No selecting. Selecting what? Anything. If don't don't select anything. I mean, like go. Uh, if which toothpaste should I use? Don't select. If you select, that's breaking the Sabbath. I mean, that's just burdensome. No selecting. No grinding. Grinding what? Anything. <laughs> just I mean, don't do it. Just be, okay. No grinding. No sifting. No kneading. No baking. No shearing wool. No washing wool. No beating wool. No dyeing wool. No spinning. No weaving. Making two loops. Don't make two loops. I suppose one loop is okay, but as soon as you make that second loop, that's work. And now you're disobeying the Sabbath and you're not pleasing God. Bad. Bad on you. That's not good. This is the world that Jesus is walking into. This is the people where they're just like, just, just shackled down with, with the weariness and the burden. No making two loops. No weaving two threads. 
no separating two threads, no tying, no untying, no sewing stitches, no tearing, no trapping, no slaughtering, no flaying, no tanning, no scraping hide, no marking hide, no cutting hide to shape. Now the idea here was we want to follow the Sabbath. And so we better make it really, we got to be really careful that we don't break some of these rules. So let's make some more rules so that we don't break that rule. It's like, let's make, put up more signs. Let's put up more fences. And after a while, it just kind of gets out of control. And there's so many fences. You can't even remember what you're trying to be protected from falling off. It's like, there's a cliff somewhere over there, but there's 19, there's 19 or 39 fences in between here and there. No cutting hide to shape. No writing two or more letters. No erasing two or more letters, no building, no demolishing, no extinguishing a fire, no kindling a fire, no putting the finishing touch on an object. What does that mean? It means like you're walking in your backyard and your deck, there's a deck nail that's, that's just up like a half inch. Well, it's the Sabbath. If you walked over there and just hammered that nail in, that would be finishing an object. And you would now have displeased God. And Jesus comes into this society and says, look, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others. All the rest of it's going to be taken care of if you just do those two things. So simple. No kindling a fire, no putting the finishing touch on an object, and no transporting an object between private and public, and then there's even further breakdowns from there. This is the kind of world that Jesus walks into, and he targets his rest for all those who are burdened and all those who are weary. And the, tr- the truth is, they were burdened and they were weary. And even today, though we don't follow a lot of these Jewish customs, we're burdened, and we can get weary. Uh, even as believers, we can pick some of that baggage back up. But especially as a non-believer, this offer of rest is for you. So it's personal. It's universal. It's targeted. It's free. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Just, you're just going to give it. This is going to give it. This is free of charge. It reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. The doctors have taken all her, all their money, all her, her money, and she's still not better. And then Jesus just gives healing for free. And how excited she was! Um, I know some stingy, wealthy people, but I also know some wealthy people that are not stingy. And I love watching them give because it's like the money is not even an object. They just they just write the check. They just give it away. It doesn't even phase them. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't have any control over them. I want to be able to give like that. The truth is I'm not a wealthy person by some standards. I think we can all paint the picture that anybody in the U.S. is pretty wealthy in general compared to much of the world. But while I don't consider myself a wealthy person, I am inspired by that type of giving. And if so if humans can do that, how much more can the Lord do it, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills? I mean, he lacks nothing. And so he would even say, uh, to you, I'm not short on my rest. I got lots of it. And if you need it, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, I will give it to you for free. But not just free, it's better. It's better rest. It's better than the man's way, and it's better than the Jewish way. Rest, God's way, uh, is amazing. I mean, the alternative is weariness and burdensome, but this rest that he's offering us, it's amazing. And God, not, he gives it for free, uh, but it, it is just better. A few weeks ago, Pastor Dan and I were in his office, and we just briefly talked about this, this idea of progressive revelation and the thought that God is progressively, continually revealing himself throughout time. So if you think back, if you pull open your Bible and you pull it back to one of the earlier books, say Genesis or Exodus, those people had the truth. 
But if they would have had the privilege of living a thousand years later, maybe Abram got a little bit more truth and, you know, and, then, and then the prophets came and gave even more truth, they would know even better. And so God, this progressive revelation shows, like if you read through the scriptures, it shows that they were always given truth, but subsequent generations would get further truth. And so they were moving from truth to deeper truth. And, uh, and so into a, even a better truth. And then all of it is culminated when Jesus comes and says, you know what? He really lays it out. And he says, you know, I didn't come to abolish all this. All this that you know is good, but I've come to fulfill it. It's, uh, it's amazing. So we were talking about that. And we were talking about how unfair it is whenever someone pulls up their, their book of Leviticus or their book of Exodus and they read something or good, good grief, pull up Judges and read something and you're like, how did God allow that? Well, he's working these people through history. I mean, he didn't just come and just dump the whole thing on them day one. I mean, he's working them because they were in such a place and he's pulling them through history. And as I'm reading this, I'm recognizing that God's offer of rest to us is better. For example, Jesus comes and he says, he says this all the time. I like, I like to maybe preach on this at some point, uh, Lord willing. But he says, you've heard it said this, but I say this. Like you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say, don't even lust after a woman. He's giving more truth. He's refining the truth a little bit. Uh, he's moving from the lesser to the greater. Don't commit adultery. Don't even lust after a woman. You've heard it said not to murder, but I say don't even be angry with a brother or sister. He's going from lesser to greater. He's going from inadequate to perfect. He's going from the law, which was nice. It was even good. The scripture says it's good, but it wasn't perfect. Jesus comes and perfects it. And so it's this, it's this progressing through history. And so when I read this, I just see Jesus raising the bar. He says, now let's talk about rest. I'm gonna raise the bar. Here's what I mean by rest. Come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then he goes on, he says, Take my yoke <clears throat> upon you and learn from me. So a yoke in the in the in the Hebrew way of thinking is is it could also be said like a teaching. Take, so Jesus is basically saying, Hey, <clears throat> take my teaching. I know you've been listening to your favorite rabbi, but take my teaching instead. And to kind of reflect back on what we said earlier. I know that rabbi is saying these 613 and he has a certain order for it. Take mine. Take my teaching. See if it's not a little bit more restful. Love the Lord your God. Love other people. Oh, you have further questions? Well, let me tell you how to love your people, how to love, other, uh, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that help? Now move along. This will please the Lord. <clears throat> so the Lord's way is, is better. Um, so as, if yoke is a teaching, uh, we, have a ch- we have a choice to take Jesus's. God's given us an easier way. And it says it is, uh, later on it's going to say it's, it's easy and it's, and it's light. All right. Um, the next one. God's offer of rest is personal, universal, targeted, free, better, then it's compassionate. I love, I love this. It says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I love the fact that the Lord is gentle. King of the universe. He can be whatever he wants, but he's gentle and he's humble at heart. He's compassionate. And that is absolutely in strike contrast from what they were used to. 
The law was demanding, it was rigid, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, <clears throat> this is, I'm gentle, and the people would have loved it, just like you did and just like I did whenever I first met the Lord. Just absolutely loved his approachability and his gentleness. The next one, we're almost done. It's penetrating. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Rest for your soul. I've heard a few people talk about rest uh, in the last couple of months, and I've heard this underlying optimism that this time of quarantine, if, we're, if we allow it, can really be a, a blessing to us, and I believe that. My concern, though, is like a vacation and like a nap, you always need another one. Truth is, I just got back from vacation. We were with all my family last week, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's hard work being on vacation, but it was fun. You'll always need another one, though. I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. I love Sunday naps. And next Sunday, I'm going to take another nap because it's not going to do the job. It's just not going to penetrate all the way down. It's only skin, uh, skin deep kind of rest. But Jesus comes here and says, I'm offering you rest for your soul for your soul. And so my fear is we're going to sneak through this quarantine season. And if I can just be a little transparent, I remember after 9-11, there was this great turning back to God and many people, it stuck. And some people, they just kind of got distracted once they got through that season and it was just business as usual. This time of rest and resetting and just our normals being just thrown out the window is going to be so helpful for some if it goes a little deeper than skin deep. If it just goes skin deep, it's not gonna penetrate down to the soul. And so I wanna encourage you guys in this time, make sure you're encountering the Lord that gives rest and make sure you're encountering this type of rest and not just, I got a couple months off from work because that's not gonna last. You're gonna get tired again. So if the, Lord's, if the Lord's rest is personal, it's universal, it's targeted, it's free, it's better, it's compassionate, it's penetrating, it's also refreshing, and I think I'll end with that one. The scripture says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mentioned earlier the yoke is a rabbi's teaching, uh, but it's also a piece of farm equipment. I remember when I was younger, I thought it was only a piece of farm equipment, and then later on I learned that, oh, it's also a rabbi's teaching. That means so much more. Well, if I'm not careful, I forget that it was actually a piece of farm equipment. Des said confidently in one of his Bible studies recorded in 1981, by the way, you got some downtime, desevans.com. Listen to several of his old teachings this week, and I just love hearing Des's voice. In fact, there's one on, uh, if you type in, if you search for Matthew, they don't have one for Matthew 11, which we're in, but they had one for Matthew 5 or 6, and then it referenced Matthew 11. It was on the kingdom of God, and he opened up by saying, the kingdom of God is not a place. It's a time zone. And then he just breaks that down. And I mean, that was so des. And then he goes on to say, it's like the kingdom of God is an era. It's a time. It's like the people in England are in the time of Elizabeth right now. The kingdom of God is not a place, it's a time zone. And he just runs through that like only Des can. But anyway, Des said confidently in one of his Bible studies, he said, most probably, 
And I, if he were here right now, I'd say, really? Have you stuck to that? Most probably still. Or he would now say definitely. Or I don't know. I was just being cute. I'm not sure. But he says, most probably that he believed this phrase, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, says this phrase was probably the slogan for his carpenter shop. Here at Joseph and Son, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You buy a yoke from me, it'll fit good. It'll work for your animal. It won't rub, it'll be right. Good craftsmanship, good quality. And the same Jesus that would have said that to his customers, the people he knows, he's now sharing the good news with, and he says, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. And they would have understood that a little deeper than we would. So he thought that was the slogan for his carpenter shop. And you know what? If it's not, it ought to have been. So I'm going, I'm going on record to say that that sounds good to me. And that's what Jesus has to offer. This rest is easy. It's light. Now, I was talking to a friend three weeks ago, and he says, Josh, this scripture, easy. I don't feel like it's easy. Walking with Jesus has not been easy. And I said, easy in this case means it's good. It works. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be worth it in the end. It's easy. Not it's easy. Everybody knows if you've lived with Christ a little bit at the time, it's not easy. God calls us to do incredibly difficult things, but it's easy in the sense that it works. It's good. My yoke is easy in the sense that you're going you're gonna to put these two animals in this ox and it's going to work for you. Trust me, I've made this well. And God has made the rest that he's patterned this rest for us and it's available to us and, it's, and it works and it works well, really well. I have to admit though, as I was reading this, I was reminded, uh, I have been using this, this idea of a yoke, especially this idea of being unequally yoked that you can see in the Old Testament. Maybe it's just because I went through youth ministry for so long, but I have been thinking of it only in one way, and that was, hey, when you meet that girl, make sure she's a Christian. When you meet that guy, make sure he's a Christian, because if you're not equally yoked, you're marriage is going to be difficult because your foundational beliefs and values are going to be different and you're going to be pulling away from each other. And so the idea is you've got two oxen with a yoke, big wooden thing on it, and the desire is you don't want, let's say the girl is a strong Christian and the, and the boyfriend's a total atheist, you've got this weak animal and this strong animal, and you're going to be, like, be pulling, in, pulling in circles and it's just not going to, you're not going to be working together. And that's how I had processed that. And that's true. That really is a truth. And it's a lot, I've actually been asked many times, hey, do you think I should marry this guy? And my first question is, well, first tell me about the, his relationship with the Lord. Well, he doesn't really have one. Then no, but I haven't even told you about him. No, <laughs> I mean, you got to put, put pause and then wait until uh, he's had a relationship and you got, you, if you want to do this in the right order, but right now you're not, so no. Well, that is a truth, the unequally yoked. But then I was reading through a commentary this week and I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't know this, but I'm going to say it encouraged me. It was a good reminder. In our horizontal relationships, man and a woman, business partner with business partner, it is really important to not be unequally yoked. But in our vertical relationship with the Lord, I had this fresh epiphany that the Lord Jesus has come and he has offered himself to step into one side of that yoke and say, follow my teaching follow me. And I'm over here, and I'm the really scrawny little animal. <laughs> and he's over here. He's this amazing animal. And while I would never recommend that for a marriage, because it's a horizontal human-to-human -human relationship, 
for a divine to man relationship, it's amazing. Again, as you read through the scripture, it's like Jesus himself says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Hop in here with me upon you and learn from me. Let me teach you. Let me show you. Because if you're strapped right next to this same ox, you're going the same path. You're going the same way. If he turns, you turn. And that also shows you how ridiculous it is when we try to fight God's will. We're in this yoke together, and we're really trying to pull this way against this multi-ton ox and we're this little sh- shrimpy one it just does it just it's just illogical it doesn't it doesn't really work and that's why it's so difficult to actually do that and that's why the lord doesn't really want to share leadership and lordship in the life but so just just a reminder that you guys yes or just be encouraged that yes you have a god who is saying let me get in the yoke with you let me show you the way you can learn and that is just just mind-blowing how he provided a way, but then he actually presented himself to walk in it with us and to show us the way. So anyway, just, just fabulous. Okay, so uh, in conclusion, because i got to conclude somewhere. In conclusion, we've gone through the scripture. We've just pinpointed several of the words. I hope you're understanding. I hope you've uh, been reminded of some things about this scripture. And I hope, above all else, you just recognize that the God of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, is saying, here you go. You know that rest that your entire culture is just clamoring for? I know some places in the world kind of get it better than us, but you know that rest that the United States is so desperately always looking for and trying to buy? I'm just giving it to you for free, but you've got to do it this way, and it's here for you, and it's available, and it's such a gracious, it's a gracious offer. And so in this time of quarantine, I really hope that you'll connect on that level. And not just on the nap vacation, I got two months off from work and I'm getting self-employment. Or, or was that the word for that? Unemployment. Yeah, self-employment. That, that's not it. Uh, and I hope we've connected there. So in conclusion, St. Augustine in his book, The Confessions, once described some of his favorite blessings given to him by God. And St. Augustine was a mess. He was an absolute mess. And he wrote this book, Confessions, just to show everybody that, hey, look, I was a mess, but this is what the Lord's done. Because he had like proved to everybody that, hey, I know you've been watching me for decades and I'm a mess. The Lord's changed me. So he writes this and he starts writing out all these favorite blessings uh, that were given to him by God. And he compares them with the cheap imitations that the enemy had offered him, that Satan had offered him in the past. And uh, for instance, he says there's corruptible pleasures and there's incorruptible pleasures. And incorruptible pleasures are just better. They're just better. There's luxury, like the, the enemy, the, Satan would offer us luxury, but then there's plenty and abundance. And plenty and abundance is just better. It's just better. He's done it both ways, and it's just better. There's ignorance and foolishness, and then there's simplicity. He said, don't, don't be foolish and ignorant and just waste your time and, and don't study and call it, call it simplicity. It's different. It's different. You can be simple. You don't have to be foolish at the same time, but they're close. They kind of imitate each other a little bit, but one's cheap and one's the real thing. Then he says the love of a wayward woman. He had lots of affairs and lots of relationships like that. And then he says when you find true love with a woman, uh, it's just better. It's just different. The enemy might say they're the same, but they're not the same. They're, it's just better. And all you married men can say amen. So he also mentioned in this list, though, rest. He actually mentions rest, and I went back to it found it last night. He says, rest found in the Lord. He says, it's beautiful. 
and it's refreshing and it's, we'll go down our list, it's personal and it's universal and it's targeted and it's free and it's better. It's compassionate and it's penetrating and it's refreshing, it's enabling, it's better. That's rest in the Lord. He says the enemy might offer you slothfulness. The enemy might offer you laziness. And on a Saturday afternoon, rest and laziness might feel the same. Because you're just sitting back, binge watching your favorite show. But take a step back. And the rest that your soul is really looking for is not found from the enemy. But the Lord is saying, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But in order to get it, we must take his yoke upon us and learn from him. I know, by the way, he's gentle and he's humble in heart and he's for us. And you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I encourage you this morning, don't waste your quarantine time. It's almost over. I don't know when, but it's almost over. And honestly, I can't wait. But don't waste it. The Lord does desire to do something deeper with you. And uh, I don't want you to confuse sitting on the couch. I don't want you to confuse all this time off with something that's really going to satisfy your soul. That satisfaction is only found in the Lord. And we know it. And our soul just rejoices when we find it. It recognizes the difference. So again, let me read the scripture to you one more time. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Lord Jesus, we're a busy society and you've offered us a pretty amazing strange moment in history where we have the opportunity to readjust i ask that in that we wouldn't settle for some cheap imitations you know cut our schedule by 20 percent and, and think that's going to somehow nourish our souls lord we honestly our society for the most part lives with impoverished souls and we need to be fed And so, Lord, I'm just asking that in this moment, in this time, in this little oasis in the busyness, that you would change our hearts and enable us, just like we talked about earlier, just like you did on the day of Pentecost, enable us to be more like you. So we ask your empowerment in Jesus' name. Amen.